Well, welcome back to another episode. We appreciate all the shares. If you want to grab this one and share it to all your friends as well, because this one is a throwback to National Youth Camp 2013 with Reverend Josh Carson called The Revival of the Remnants. This is all made possible through your sheaths of Christ giving, and I know that you're going to enjoy this episode. This dynamic group of young people that have gathered for this camp and are here. While you're turning to your scripture, why don't you find a couple people around you, just pause and give them a high five and tell them, man, I'm glad I came to camp this year. I'm glad I came to camp, National Camp 2013. Thank you, worship team. What a great job they've done. What a great job this youth choir did tonight, leading us and tremendous. Well, it's Sunday night and I'm not done. How about you? It's Sunday night and I'm not finished yet and I don't think God is done yet either. Joel chapter 2. Verses 28 through verse 32. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Let me pause and say we need young men that are spiritually inclined enough to see vision. I wish I'd have got more of an amen on that. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out of my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass. Everybody say, it shall come to pass. It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance as the Lord hath said. And when the Lord says it, it's done. And... In the remnant whom the Lord shall call. I want to preach tonight on this Sunday night of National Youth Camp about a revival of the remnant. I want to preach to the remnant that's standing before me here tonight. And I want to tell you that God has more than a plan to see you be a part of the church, but God has a plan to see you be the revival arm of the church. God intends to use you, and God intends to use me to be exactly what this world is looking for, to have a last day revival. I want to preach about a revival of the remnant. I want you to throw your hands towards heaven and ask God to prepare your heart and your mind and make you responsive unto the word of the Lord this evening. Lord Jesus, we honor your presence. We thank you for what we feel in this house. It is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by your spirit. We recognize that our talents at their very best are meager attempts to bring your presence into this house. Our righteousness is as filthy rags before you. Yet we recognize that when we begin to honor and we begin to praise you and we begin to call upon your name, that we believe according to the word and the authority of scripture that there is deliverance for those that call upon your name and we pray that you would meet us in this house tonight help me to preach the way you would have me to preach in this house in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and everybody shout amen yeah. come on shout amen yeah. and you may be seated By definition, remnant 
simply means a small remaining quantity of something. A piece of fabric after the rest has been used or sold. Or a third definition given to the word remnant and commonly utilized is a surviving group of people. As the word remnant might more commonly pertain to us that recognize it, it might be as a remnant of fabric like those that you see scattered across the front of this altar this evening. For me, I think about remnant squares of carpet because there was a period of time where I grew up that it was a very common practice to take odd-sized and different colored pieces of carpet and use those squares to carpet a room. And so there would be orange and blue and yellow and purple. And I know that firsthand because I have had to rip some of that ugly carpet up. And I remember when I was ripping that carpet up thinking, what would ever make them do this? And then it hit me, that's probably what my kids will be saying when they're ripping up the carpet that I put down. When my father was dealing with kidney failure in a routine checkup at the age of 41 years old, my father went in for a work physical and there at that doctor's appointment, he came to an astounding revelation that his kidneys were only functioning at 17%. Immediately, he had to get onto dialysis where he would hook up to a machine and it would begin to filter the process that his kidneys were failing to do. We had been in church all of our lives. I had watched my mother and my father lead us and train us to be faithful to the house of God. I must be very honest with you when I found myself as a young teenager questioning why my father was dealing with such a sickness. Yet never through that trial or through that process would my father ever question God. My parents never made us feel like God did not love us. But every time the doors of the church were open, they were faithful to let us know we will be in the house of the Lord because they taught me a very valuable principle whether life is fair or not God is worthy to be praised while my father was dealing with that sickness and I thank the Lord that he is so healthy today and that his health is in such great recovery. But during the sickness that he was facing and the dialysis at that time, there was a precious elder in the church by the name of Sister Mary. Sister Mary was spending every evening in her living room and I did not know this and my father did not know this, but there in the corner chair of of her living room sister Mary was taking one piece of fabric at a time and with a needle and with thread she was stitching one piece of fabric into another one piece of fabric into another one piece of fabric into another make, making a patchwork quilt she was referencing to the book of Acts the 19th chapter and she was taking every piece of cloth and pastor downs she was sewing them together and praying over them and she was calling upon the name of the Lord believing that when my father would take that quilt onto him that the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ would be released into his life. I can remember as a young boy time after time watching my father hook up to that dialysis machine and pull that patchwork quilt up over his, uh, his legs and up onto his body feeling the cold and struggling with the sickness. He'd pull that up over his body but I I recognized what it was. It was more than just a pretty quilt. It was a man saying, I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of God. 
For the Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as moved by the Holy Ghost. I don't believe that any of this book is just to make you feel good. I believe every part of this word has the authority and the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And so you know what my father would do with that old patchwork quilt? He would pull it up on himself and he would take the authority of the prophet Isaiah who said in the 53rd chapter and the 5th verse, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him and with his stripes we are healed. I don't care how far removed we get from it. There's enough faith when someone believes in the power of healing and the power of the word of God. I don't care if it's cancer, blood disease, kidney failure. I don't care if it's heart disease, emphysema. With his stripes we are healed. I have so appreciated preaching into this camp meeting. I have so appreciated the diversity of culture. And we head on, hit against the cliques and the divisions. And we brought everybody to one table and we sat here. And I I had droves of people coming to me after that message and say, we need that. I want to tell you something, Australia young people. Hear me right now. God has given us a unique opportunity in this country. He's given us a unique opportunity in this church where all of these different nationalities can come together and be together. It would be boring if we were all the same. We're kind of like a patchwork quilt that is working together. For the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, for by one spirit we are baptized into one body. For by one spirit, we are baptized into one body. And if you've got the Holy Ghost, and if you've been baptized in the name, and if you call Jesus Christ your Savior, you're a part of this body. Although not necessarily using the word remnant itself. The concept of that which was left over or the survivors of an event or the strand of believers who remained is used throughout Scripture hundreds of times. It's found under terminology like the escapees, the survivors, or those which remained. If I could point out some illustrations as some were even mentioned today it was the remnant of believers who survived to walk into the promised land Lot was the remnant strand to survive the judgment of Sodom Rahab was among the remnant preserved because she honored the men of God With the remnant of only 300 men, Gideon was victorious over the Midianites with the help of God. Samson was a mere remnant of the man that he used to be when God helped him to put his hands upon the pillars and slay more with his death than he did in his life. Elijah stated unto God in 1 Kings chapter 19 that there was a remnant of men that had never bowed their knee to Baal. He said, although I recognize that everyone might be faltering and everyone might be turning, it's important, God, that you know there are a group of people who still believe in you. All throughout the Old Testament, we understand that it was the common practice that when there was a time of anguish or a time of great loss, that the father or the husband 
or the man of God would fall to the ground and would tear his garment when he would tear his garment and the remnant of those pieces were showing it allowed those that were around him to recognize that it was a time of great pain and great distress can I tell you tonight that the examples of men and women that I just read read to you they are examples because they endured hardship they endured pain and they endured tribulation when others did not when others could not when others would not they remained ready to move forward with the cause can I pause on Sunday night and preach to a bunch of young people? Thank God there's always been a group of people that said no matter if you want to walk away from the truth, I'm never walking away from the truth. No matter if you want to go another direction, I'm never going to go another direction. Even if you don't want to preach doctrine, I'm never going to weigh a walk I'm never walking away from the oneness of God. I don't care if you can get more people in the building or not. You've still got to repent. You've still got to be baptized in Jesus' name. You've still got to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with tongue. I'm so glad there's always been a group of people that would say we want the doctrine the apostles had. We want the doctrine that the forefathers had. We want the... I don't want another gospel. I don't want another doctrine. Preach right now. Let me tell you something right now. There's a group of people that think this generation do not want this doctrine. That you're not sold out to this gospel. That you don't believe. I wish we could shut the mouth of every naysayer right now and let them know we love this doctrine. We love this gospel. We believe in we're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. We're not turning away. We're not backing down from it. Come on, I wish I could get some people in the back. I wish I could get some people down the... Turn me up a little bit. I wish I could get some folks that would say tonight, I don't care who leaves the church. I'm not leaving the... I don't care who leaves the church. I'm not leaving the church. I don't care who walks away. I'm not walking away. I don't care who sells out. I'm not selling out. I believe in this. I'm committed. I'm committed to the doctrine. I don't care if you like it or not, I'm going to keep on running. I don't care if you like it or not, we're going to keep on singing about Jesus. I don't care if you like it or not, we're going to keep on shouting. I don't care if you like it or not, we're going to keep on dancing. I don't care if you like it or not, we're going to keep on talking in tongues. We believe in the doctrine. Come on, I wish somebody lift your voice and square your shoulders and say, I'm committed to the church. I'm committed to your pastor. I'm committed to the work of God. Somebody say, I'm committed. You can go play games with the world if you want to. I'm not going anywhere. You can go dabble in sin if you want to. I'm not going anywhere. You can call me crazy if you want to. I'm not leaving the church. You can make fun of me if you want to, but I'm staying. I'm staying. You can skip youth camp if you want to, but we're coming to youth camp. You can stay home if you want you can water it down if you want to, but I don't want it watered down. I don't want anything less. I don't want any. We want that good, old-fashioned, vintage move of the Holy Ghost. Maybe seated. And let's just be honest right now. You're not here tonight because the devil never tried to take you out. 
You're not here tonight because you're that special person that never faced temptation. I passed this microphone around tonight. Everybody in this place could tell us, I don't care if you were raised in the church. I talked to a young person today, said I've been raised in the church, but I can't seem to reach, reach other people. Told me about the oppression, the, 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 the work and the hurt that come. Everybody in this place, you had to convince yourself to get here. There's not a person in this house that if hell would have had its way, you wouldn't have, listen, you hear me now. If hell would have had its way, you'd have never made it into this house. You'd have been in a car wreck before you got here. You'd have got hooked on drugs and never got out of them. Come on, we got anybody in this house that used to be addicted to some stuff and were it not for the grace of God, you wouldn't be here tonight? It's not because the devil didn't try. It's just but... It's just that you got up and said, I'm not going to settle for what I used to be. I'm not going to settle for where I used to live. I'm going to be in the body. Imagine with me the life of Job. What a tragic illustration in seven verses of the first chapter of the book of Job. Almost complete destruction comes to his life. He's stripped of his livestock, stripped of his livelihood. Even his own children are slain. Verses 20 through 22 says that Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground, and worshiped. He said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. But blessed be the name. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Notice this tonight. It was a process. It was not all simultaneously. It happened in process. He arose, which means he acknowledged what happened. Can I tell you one of the most dangerous things you can do is pretend like you're fine when you're not? Put your fake smile on and put your, put your nice t-shirt or your nice tie on and act like everything's fine when you know it's not? When you've got damaged goods, you need to acknowledge that. You need to be honest with God. He tore his mantle. He, he literally grabbed a hold of it and he ripped it. He shredded that mantle open, which showed that Job was broken in his circumstance. He shaved his head. And then he fell down on the ground and he worshiped. I said he fell down on the ground and he worshiped. Let me tell you what I have found in about 15 years of preaching. I found that there's not much that life can put you into that a good session of worship cannot bring you out of. There's not a whole lot that the devil can throw at you that worship cannot get you out of. Job hit the ground and began to honor God, and a mindset came over him. I didn't have anything when I came in, and I won't have anything when I go out. But you hear me right now. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I wish somebody in this house tonight would say, listen, I know your family's busted up. I recognize you've walked through a lot of trials and tribulations but I wish there'd be some young person that would knock hell back a few steps by shouting out, but blessed be the name of... I know I've got torn parts. I know I've got a ripped mantle. I know I've got some distresses. I know you can look at me and see I'm damaged goods, but you better hear me testify through my damaged goods. Blessed be the name. I'm telling you, you can't stop 
the young person that learns how to say blessed. Blessed be the name of the, everybody at school can make fun of you and you'll be saying blessed be the name of the Lord. Your parents can turn their back on you and you'll be saying blessed be the name of the Lord. Everybody in this sanctuary tonight, everybody scattered across this room has probably had to endure a time of pain or a time of loss in your life. Whether it was physical, whether it was spiritual, or whether it was emotional, maybe it's divorce that affected the dreams that you once held on to. And if you'd be honest, a remnant of your spirit was torn. Addiction, possibly stolen years of your life and left you feeling empty. Abuse when you were a child broke your spirit and left scars upon your life. The loss of a father or the loss of a mother tore the mantle of your emotions. Maybe it's an adult or a young adult that the loss of a job came with the pressure to question the will of God. Maybe the peer pressure of someone from your school or your neighborhood left you feeling in a place of isolation and you feel as though you've been torn away. Maybe it was the temptation in your life that you fell to and although you've already prayed and although God has already forgiven you, you have struggled to regain mentally from the time that you ripped the mantle of your own conscience and shattered your own confidence. I would venture to say that although we've done our best to dress nice, for Sunday night of youth camp. If we could be honest here tonight, underneath in our spirits, hanging out from under our polished outfits and our brilliant attire might be the worn and the fragged edges, the shattered emotions, the torn reality of a mantle inside that was ripped at some point. A life that has been hurt. Emotions that have been damaged. Children that have watched divorce and years later have struggled to get beyond it. I believe that it's time on the last night of this youth camp for a young man or a young lady to get enough Holy Ghost boldness to square their shoulders and tell hell, I'm still here. You tried to pull me out, but I'm still here. You tore my parents apart, but I'm God. fighting. I'm still worshiping. I'm still believing. I wish there'd be a young person that could stand to their feet and say, listen, I know I used to be addicted, but now I'm addicted to God. I know I used to be a failure, but now I'm committed to the Lord. Devil, I'm still here. I'm still in the church. I'm still in the body. And moreover than that, I'm not going anywhere. You know the best thing some of you could do right now is just lift your voice real loud and say, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm just not, I'm not going. Some of you need to make up your mind right now. Living for God is more important than football. Living for God is more important than that career. Living for God is more important for that boy. Living for God is more important for that girl. 
I'm not saying you've never been damaged. I'm saying you're still here. So act like you're still here. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. And I'm tired of him taking our kids without a fight. I'm tired of him snatching our teenagers up and us not fighting about it. I'm tired of some kid getting wounded because he made a mistake and we shun them away instead of wrap our arms around them and we become... <laughs> Hear me right now. Listen to me. I'm tired of us making them feel like they're the only failure. The best thing some of you could do is roll your sleeves up and say, yeah, look, I've got some tattered edges hanging up under my sleeves too. I've got some brokenness that I've faced too. I'm just a remnant too, but I've got good news for you. If you've been broken, you're exactly what God is looking for. If you've been damaged, you're exactly what God is looking for. If you were perfect, he wouldn't need you. If you were spotless, you wouldn't need him. There is none perfect, no, not one. Not one but him, but unto us, which are born into the... I'm not perfect, but when I get lost in him, it's hard to see my faults when you're focused on him. Somebody lift your hands with me right now all over this house. Come on, tell him. Devil, you tried to destroy my mind, but you didn't get it. You tried to take my joy, but you can't have it. You tried to break up our marriage, but you can't have my confidence. Come on, Joel said... Joel said, it's coming on the remnant. It's coming on that group of survivors. I don't care if you feel like the minority or not. I don't care if you feel like the broken fragment or not. If you feel like you've been destroyed, you're who God is looking to pour out. He's going, to take a, he's going to take an army full of people that were wounded, and he's going to reach a world that's been wounded. He's going to pour out his spirit upon the remnant. I'm talking about a revival of the remnant. I'm talking about you going back to your city. I'm talking about you going back to your school. I'm talking about you going back to your church and setting it ablaze for the purpose and the kingdom of God. You may be seated. The young man whose picture is coming on the screen is named Nate Shrek. If you can click to the next slide, please. Nate Shrek, not sure if they've got his picture. Nate Shrek, when he was just an infant, his mother left him in the back of the car on a scalding hot day, rolled the windows up, gave him a bottle of cough syrup, and left him in the back seat to die. The police came at the frantic cries of one of the passerbys, screaming about the baby. The police report said when they found him that he had dried cough syrup running down his face. His mother, the only parent that he had, had left him in that back seat to fall asleep and die. But Nate was put into a foster home and he was adopted by an apostolic woman by the name of Diana Shrek. Diana Shrek adopted Nate and brought him into the body of Christ 
His hus- her husband died when Nate was just a young boy. Seemed like life had thrown every obstacle at this young man. But by the grace and the mercy of God, he was in the church. Nate came to a realization at a youth camp, just like you're at, that God had bigger plans for his life than to dwell on what had happened to him. Because at some point, everybody has to make up their mind on whether or not you're going to live in the past or whether you're going to take your past and turn it into the thing that fuels you into action for your future. A young boy that was left to die in the back of a car is now a teenager in the church where I am a part of of pastoring. And Nate Shrek is currently involved in launching a mentorship process for young boys. He said, I decided since the devil tried to take me out and strip everything I had that I'm going to turn it around and I'm going to use it against him and I'm going to teach young boys that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the I don't know what you've been through I don't know what you've dealt with but I can tell you this tonight you need to get a hold of what's been holding you back and put that thing under your feet and say I'm going to use it to minister to somebody else Ruth chapter 4 Ruth chapter 4, starting at verse 18, says, Now these are the generations of Pharaohs. Pharaohs begat Hezron, Hezron begat Ram, Ram begat Abinadab, Abinadab begat Nation, Nation begat Salmon, Salmon begat Boaz, Boaz begat Obed, Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. If you understand about Pharaohs, you recognize that Pharaohs was the illegitimate child that came from a relationship between Judah and Tamar. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy the 23rd, third chapter and the second verse that if there is a child that is born out of wedlock that unto the tenth generation there would be no ability for that family entering into the temple or into the house of the Lord there would be a curse placed upon them and for ten generations isn't it amazing that at the end of ten generations coming out of Judah and Tamar comes a boy named David that comes at the birth of Jesse. Is it not amazing that it was David who penned in the Psalms, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Is it not amazing that it comes unto us in the book of Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 saying that Jesus Christ was the son of David. There's 42 generations of broken people. 42 generations of adulterers. 42 generations of liars 42 generations of thieves 42 generations of the outcasts but at the end of those 42 generations every single remnant of prophecy that had come forward had said there will be a star of David there will be a seed that arises out of that lintage there is one that will come and there was a day when in a main a young lady named Mary gathered in a stable and was born on earth that which would be called Jesus Christ for he shall save the people from their sins. He didn't have a good background, but he didn't need a good background because he needed to prove according to the Gospels. Not only was he the Son of God, but he was the Son of Man. 
And when he was born into that manger, the Bible says that they took swaddling clothes and they wrapped that baby. If you know about swaddling clothes, that just means remnant of material. That means torn fabric, torn pieces of clothing. Theologians don't often agree on much, but most theologians agree on this, that the symbolism of Jesus Christ being wrapped in swaddling clothes was that at his birth Jesus Christ was wrapped in all of the hurt of the Old Testament. Every prophet and every man of God that had ever rent his mantle. Every distress and every remorse that had ever been signified by the tearing of a mantle. When they wrapped the Christ child in those swaddling clothes he took on the hurt of the entirety of the Old Testament. Can I tell you here tonight that God is able to take every hurt that you've caught, every pain that you feel Jesus is able to bear every burden you've ever faced Mark chapter 15 verses 37 and 38 skipping forward to the cross of Christ recognizing that he yielded up the ghost he was not killed you need to know that for your theology he yielded up the ghost within six hours he gave the ghost up that means he let his spirit leave he was not it was not taken from him but it was given by him six hours in the average man could live for close to three days on a cross of crucifixion that's why at the tyranny of his own mind and the piercing accusation of his own thoughts Pilate sent the men to pierce them and to break their legs but when they came to break the legs of Jesus and the thief he had already given up the ghost and the Bible says on Mark the, 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 the 15th chapter and the 37th and the 38th verse and Jesus cried with a loud voice and he gave up the ghost and the veil in the temple was rent from top to the bottom he proved at his birth that he took on the pain of the past but he proved at his death that he took on the pain of the future for in the first time was there accessibility for anybody that wanted it into the presence of God you didn't have to be a high priest for he was the high priest Hebrews 10 says that his body was the veil and when his body was broken the veil was torn open can I tell you here tonight that you've got enough power in the Holy Ghost to overcome every problem and every trial and every circumstance. There was only 120, just a remnant that remained. A remnant of broken people whose everyday Savior Jesus Christ had been taken from them. But the Bible says they believed. At Jesus' first removal from the tomb, the disciples were weary. But if you read the Gospels and find that after Jesus had reappeared to Mary Magdalene and then unto the disciples and came in beyond barred doors and began to speak with them. At one of his last conversations, the Bible says that he lifted up his hands and he blessed them and they went away cheerfully. They recognized, they recognized the best is yet to come. just do a little something here. Let me just read you a couple scriptures you've never heard maybe before. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. Come here. Come here. Put verse 4 up there. Acts 2 verse 4. 
Read it. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now listen. Listen, here's a little thing we face. Come here and help me for a second. Here's a little something we face. When the camp preacher preaches it, we preach it something like this. We put that verse up there for it. Just leave it up there for a minute. Camp preacher, get up. We can't just re- And they were all filled with the Holy. That's what he did because I asked him to do it. And so we all just sat there and listened to it, right? Just nod along. But if I get up here and I'm really going, you do exactly what you started doing a second ago when I started reading Acts chapter 2. If I got up here and said, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, yeah, it does something, right? Start doing something. That does it to us because we're programmed to perform in Pentecostal fashion. You read it again, just like you did. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Listen, listen, hear me right now. Whether you're shouting it or whether you're just, we as people react to it because we become accustomed to it. But can I tell you when a Holy Ghost filled child of God, I don't care if you're a young man or you're a young lady, you can put the devil to flight by recognizing that the veil was ripped and the power of God was really, if you got the Holy Ghost, you ought to act like it. If you got the Holy Ghost, you ought to demonstrate it. If you got the Holy Ghost, you ought to rejoice in it come on I wouldn't be here I wouldn't be here if the veil hadn't been rent I wouldn't be here if the veil hadn't been torn I'd still be damaged goods I'd still be a mistake I'd still be but I've got the Holy Ghost like the Bible says I got it in my soul I got it from the top of my head to the sole of my I've got that Holy Ghost down in my soul just like the Bible said Come on, if you got the Holy Ghost, somebody shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I don't care if your church is big or not in your eyes. If you're the only church in your city preaching truth, you got the best church in town and you ought to act like it. If you're the only church in your city that's preaching the oneness of God and the doctrine of repentance, remission in Jesus' name through baptism, and you're preaching the gift of the Holy Ghost, then you ought to act like it. You go into the best church in town, baby. You ought to recognize what you've got. I'm not broken. I'm not destroyed. I'm not shattered. I'm not abandoned. I'm a part of the body. I'm a part of the body of Christ. I want everyone to stay standing. And I want everyone to come and stand in this altar. Everyone to come. I will wait until everyone comes. It will be awkward for you if you don't come because we'll just wait on you. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm just, I recognize what unity does. Even if you're a parent, come. If you're an adult, come. Press in all the way across. Everybody in this room has problems they can talk about. Everybody in this room can talk about distresses they've had to face. Everybody in this altar can talk about hurts they've had to endure. But I'm here to tell you if you've been broken, you qualify for this church. If you've been wounded, you qualify for this body. Thank you, Pastor Downs, for preaching to us Paul's message today. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Have you suffered pain? Then you belong here. Have you suffered ridicule? Then you belong here. 
Are you just a remnant of the person you used to be because of that loss, because of that hurt? Then you belong here. I want you to take these pieces and I want you to just start handing them through the crowd. There's hundreds of these pieces. Just take one and hand them on. They're falling on the ground. They're falling everywhere. Take one and hand them on. Take one and hand them on. We've had several receive the Holy Ghost this week. But I want you to right now mentally start thinking through this. If you've never received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues here in, the, here in just a few moments, we're going to have a special call and we're going to give you the opportunity to come. Can I tell you tonight, I've given you everything I have tonight. I've left nothing back. I've held on to nothing. I've kept nothing in reserve from you tonight because I believe that God has plans for every person that gathered here. The church is not made up of perfect people. The church is made up of imperfect people that serve a perfect God. If you've been judgmental against somebody else in your church, you need to squash that. You need to get that out of your life and quit acting like you're perfect because you're not. Quit being critical. Quit being hard. Quit letting your tongue destroy others. Speak positive and speak kind and recognize you don't know what they're fighting. Can you believe she wore that? Can you believe he said that? Can you believe they were to... Stop all that! We've got enough that we're fighting as it is. I want you to take that piece of cloth right now that you're holding. I want you to take this home. I want you to put it on your dresser. I want you to put it in your Bible. I want you to put it somewhere that reminds you every day... The devil tried to take me out, but I'm still here. The devil's tried to destroy me, but God's got bigger plans for my life. If you are willing to make a commitment with me tonight, if you're willing to make a commitment to the church with me, if you're willing to make a commitment to the body of Christ, I want you to take that remnant and I want you to lift it towards heaven with me right now all across this building. And I want you to start praying and committing. Some of you are going to cry tears when you think about what happened to you. Some of you are going to cry tears when you think about what you've been through. But I don't want you to be sorrowful tonight. I want you to push those tears away. And I want you to let a joyful spirit come on you. And I want you to recognize I have not been beaten. I have not been destroyed. I've only been qualified as a part of the body. Come on, tell him I'm not leaving. Come on, tell him I'm committed. I'm committed to the process. I'm committed to the body. Yeah, there's a little bit of a wave right now. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live, I live to worship you. Come on, tell him I'm committed. I'm committed, God. Hear me now. The Bible says in Acts chapter 19 and verse 12 that they would take aprons and handkerchiefs.
from Paul. They would take those from him because those would be the anointing and the power that had been connected to the presence and the authority of God. Can I tell you that in a, probably no more than a week from now, you're going to hit a struggle. You're going to hit a trial. And you're going to need to pull that remnant out. And you're going to need to remember what it felt like in this altar. You're going to have to hold that remnant close to your heart. And remind yourself, I was designed for more than giving in. I was designed to be a part of the body. Hold those remnants up. Because what I want you to recognize is although there's hundreds of pieces of little cloth, and I know because I cut them myself, that if we could somehow take all these pieces of cloth and over time we could work together and we could put them back together, every piece of cloth you're holding would come back in uniformity to make one piece. And although you're going to disperse to your church and they're going to disperse to theirs and I'm going to disperse back to Talmadge, Ohio. The reality is this. We recognize although we might be separated, we're all a part of the same thing. And we all really belong together. Now I'm asking everybody to take about four or five steps backward. And I'm asking for our youth team our youth committee and our ministry that's in the house to please come to the very front. Please come to the very front here in the altar area and I want you to face the crowd. Ministers, ladies and men, please come and just face. Pastor Downs is going to organize you. I'm so thankful for those that have come up to me and told me this week that you've received the Holy Ghost for the first time at this camp. The testimonies, it's so exciting for what the Lord has done. But I want to make a very clarion call right now. If you're in this house and you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, by the evidence of speaking with other tongues, you've got that opportunity tonight. For after that remnant of 120 were filled with His Spirit, they poured out into the street and the men that were at once mocking them became pricked in their hearts and said unto them, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Because in the Old Testament at the Tower of Babel we recognize that it was tongues which brought division. But in the New Testament in Acts the second chapter we find a group of strangers look at the preacher and call him a brethren. Because what tongues did in divisive nature of the Old Testament, in the New Testament, tongues brings unification. It brings you into the unity of the body. Tongues is not the Holy Ghost, but it is the evidence of the Holy Ghost. If you could help me as a witness in this house and you would say that you spoke with tongues when you were filled with the Holy Ghost and being filled with the Holy Ghost is the greatest thing that ever happened to your life. Would you become a witness across this room by shouting unto the Lord right now? All across this room, I want us to have a fresh time of repentance. Hear me very clearly. Every hand lifted, every eye closed, and every heart and mouth open right now. Father, forgive me for every sin. Cleanse my mind. Give me purity of thought, purity in my heart, my spirit. Forgive me for everything I've said wrong. Forgive me for everything I've done wrong. Forgive me for the things I've even forgotten or did not recognize I did. I want there to be no wrong. I want you to take it out of my life. 
not just for the moment, but God, I want to turn away from anything that doesn't please you. Tell him that right now. I ask your forgiveness. I want to be turned away from anything that does not please you. Now, if you've prayed that tonight, the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive. And without his grace, we would have nothing. But that is not the only step. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, Peter said unto those men and brethren, repent, which we've done. He said, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And then he said, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and your children and all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If you're in this house right now, we can baptize you later if you've not been baptized yet. But right now, if you've never received the Holy Ghost, you ought to take your opportunity and receive the Holy Ghost in this house tonight. If you've never received the Holy Ghost, I want you to start stepping forward towards these ministers. We're about to speak a word of faith. Make your way through the crowd. This is the, If you know somebody by you does not have the Holy Ghost, you ought to make it your prerogative to get them up here to the front. I know several have received it, but if there are those that still need to receive it, come to the front. Get lined up in front of someone. Ministers, please help us to facilitate this. I want it to be very, very scheduled. Make sure they're right in front of you. I want us to know who we're praying for after the word of faith.